Hope so. Okay. Got a lot of stuff with me as well today, which doesn't help. So David has been doing a bit of a series looking at certain people, people who know their God, because the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. So we looked at Jonathan, we looked at Caleb, we looked at Abigail, and I have had something in my heart for a number of weeks now and sort of noticed it forming. Um, and I've realized that actually it's, it's formed part of this little mini-series. And we're going to look at David. David, who was called a man after God's own heart. Now, David's life was quite messy, very messy. Um, and so I don't want to pretend that David's life was, was perfect or glamorize it in any way. Um, but I do feel like there's... There's a lot we can learn from his life. Um, he was called a man after God's own heart. He was certainly a man who knew God. And the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. His name means beloved, loved by God. God loved him and he loved God and he saw something of God um, that I think that we can, that will bless us if we, if we learn from that. Now, we could go and look at David's life through the books of Samuel. Um, but I, we're going to look at a couple of Psalms today. Psalm 18 and psalm 62 um now the psalms are so precious i just love the psalms and really it's a collection of of poems and songs um now not all of them are written by david i think about 73 of them are written by david so it's clear that david was a man who poured out his heart to god and often in song or poetry he would just pour out his heart to god and actually he uses that language in psalm 62 it says pour out your heart to the lord um so i think again there's learning in that what what does it mean to pour out your heart to god is that part of the profile of being someone, a man or a woman, who is after God's own heart, able to pour out their heart to God? So with songs, I don't know if you've ever like, listened to a song and thought, I wonder what was going on for that person when they wrote that song. Um, it can be really, really interesting. Um, and looking at the background to the Psalms, it can be really enlightening and we can learn a lot about David's life, about what was going on at that time. And um, so waved through the Psalms, is like you get glimpses of what was going on for David. And I'm, I got this lovely um, autobiography of Eugene Peterson for my birthday. And I'm sort of slowly working my way through that. And I noticed that 
uh, they take excerpts from his journals to help paint a picture of what was going on at different times in, in Eugene's life. And I suppose this is similar. You could nearly take the Psalms and, and paint a picture and auto, get an autobiography of David. Um, so we're going to start with Psalm 18. And in Psalm 18, just a bit of the background to Psalm 18, David, um, actually, if you, if you open Psalm 18 and go to the very top of it, it'll give you a little bit of the background. And it actually says... The words of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this psalm was written when David was had come through victory and he was buzzing. I'm just going to read, not all of it, um, but we're going to pull out some, some parts of it. So Psalm 18, remember this, David has just had a massive victory. He's been delivered. I love you, Lord, my strength, he says. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. Down to verse 28 and 29, it says, You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. Who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? Down to verse 46 again. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. His heart is just overflowing. Exalted be God, my saviour. There's a bit of a theme here. The clue is in yellow. David knew the Lord to be his rock. The Lord is my rock. You see it so many times in, in the Psalms, and particularly Psalm 18 and Psalm 61 and 62. But there's something beautiful about that, and there's something that we can learn from that, because the Lord is our rock too. He, want, he is our rock David calls him the rock of Israel, the, the rock of his people. So this is a metaphor, obviously. Um, Samuel is an expert in metaphor. It was, this was one of his meanings a couple of weeks ago. Um, a picture of something that isn't literally the thing. Obviously, God is not an actual rock, but it gives a picture of his character. Eugene Peterson um, I love the way he, he talks about David. He says that everything, um, David is a God noticer. He notices things around him. He sees things and it connects him to God. So he sees this, he would have been in the wilderness a lot. So there would have been rocks around and in the wilderness, rocks were precious. Rocks were really important. Um, Eugene Peterson says, everything seen, heard, tasted, touched, experienced, if only followed far enough and deeply enough, will bring us into the presence of God. 
if we could become God noticers all around us, if we could take time to maybe slow things down um, and just become God noticers in, in all things. Um, I love the title of um, the poem, Christ plays in 10,000 places. He's all around us. If we would just slow down maybe and notice. In the Lectio 365, just a little app that you can download on your phone. Um, there's a morning and an evening kind of prayer um, and meditation that it brings you through and it's lovely. And in the evening one, it's very simple. Um, but in the evening, there's usually a place in it that says, where did I see God at work today? And it gives you a little space to think, where did, you, where did I see your goodness today? Where did I see you at work today? And that's kind of the idea. And, and, and maybe that's part of, again, remember a man or a woman after God's own heart, a God noticer on the lookout for where God is at work, seeing God in all things because he is in all things. So maybe just a wee challenge for myself and maybe for, for all of us to just slow down this week and become God noticers. Um, we had the opportunity to slow down a bit this week and we were at Explorus, um, which is really class. <laughs> we got to see some amazing creatures and... Um, I just, nature always um, connects me, and I know a lot of other people connects me to God. Um, I saw these little boys, <laughs> their class, just wee worms. Well, I actually don't know, what are they called? I don't know, but they're really, really quirky, Rich would call them probably. Um, <laughs> these little worms, and um, their wee heads just peeping up. And I just thought, wow, you know, they're unseen. They're found in the ocean bed. God, you're a God of the unseen. And um, you notice what is hidden and it matters to him. It matters to him. Look what he created. They're beautiful. And this big guy, massive, massive fish. Um, but look at the detail. God is a God of detail, of beauty. Little details matter to him. And this, this had to be seen, to be believed. It was absolutely breathtaking. Um, the pattern, the beauty of it, the way it moved, just absolutely beautiful. God does all things well. He does all things well. So Lord, make us God noticers. Make us God noticers. And David was a God-noticer. He saw God in a lot of things. Now, I said I didn't want to glamorize David's life. David's life was messy. Again, I'm just going to Eugene Peterson's book here. Um, it said, The single most characteristic thing about God is his relationship to God. David believes in God, thinks about God, imagines God, addresses God, prays to God, pours his heart out to God. Forgets God also, disobeys God, sins against God, ignores God, but God is his reality. God accounts for and defines all that David does and says. The largest part of David's existence is not David, it is God. And again, maybe that is part of being a person after God's own heart. God is central. 
God is everything. Again, Psalm 62, it says, He is my mighty rock, my refuge. So this is not just any wee rock. In the wilderness, as I said, a a rock was a welcome sight. David would have hidden many times from his enemies in in the wilderness, in the rocks, and a rock provided like a covering, a place of concealment, a place of safety where you could tuck in and be overshadowed, be covered and protected by it. I don't know if anyone, I know Nigel will know the song, Rock of Ages Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee. So there's something about the preciousness of our rock that we can hide ourselves in him, tuck in close and be overshadowed and protected. That's our rock. David's rock is our rock. No feeble we rock, a mighty rock, which literally means, if you look it up, it means a rock of strength. Psalm 18, I love you, Lord, my strength. His rock. Psalm 121, it says that God, he's, he's your shade at your right hand. So just even that imagery of being tucked in against the rock, overshadowed by God. What an image. You know, often when we work with, um, with trauma, um, clients that have been traumatized, and there's a lot of trauma about, and in fact, this I would say this is probably a traumatized community that we are in the middle of. Just look at the past year. Um, often with trauma, we use what's called safe place imagery. Um, so we tap into the power of, of imagery, of metaphor. And so if you are sitting here today and you've been through trauma, this sort of imagery is really important. It's important for all of us. Um, but this can be a real source of healing, I believe. And even from relational trauma, you know, where you've been hurt. And this was very real for King David, where you've been hurt or betrayed and you feel like you can't trust anyone or you'll never trust anyone again um, because the brain in trauma wants to keep us on alert, wants to keep us safe. So it, it highlights danger and you become hypervigilant to danger, um, even in relationships. Um, but if we can tap into the, the power of this, this metaphor, this imagery, and the reality of it, that God is our rock, that he does overshadow us, we can tuck in and be... And that can become a place of healing for us where we can be safe enough to learn to trust people again. Safe enough we can learn to heal um, and begin that process of healing. So just tuck in and be concealed in that rock. Eight years ago, I think it was around eight years ago, um, I was at a funeral of a young mother and something that the minister that day said really stuck with me and I thought it was beautiful he said there's a safe place in Jesus a safe place in Jesus I just thought that was beautiful that was what was needed that day to be able to tuck in and be hidden in that rock that is Jesus so as I said David King David spent a lot of time being pursued by enemies it started with Saul throwing spears at him and then pursued him in the wilderness and God was his rock. And, and with a life like David's, um, he needed a rock. But we also 
we also need a rock too. We need Jesus and we need the safety of that rock and to be able to climb inside that rock because we also have enemies. Ephesians 6, 12, you all know it. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we have enemies. There are enemies in this Christian life. Um, but we have a rock. We have a rock. And in Christ... we have a safe place. One of the first books I ever read when I became a Christian was The Fight by John White. Really, really was such a blessing. But it's true. <laughs> this walk with God, this life as a Christian is wonderful. It's so precious. But there is such a thing as spiritual warfare and there are enemies. There are higher powers, but he is the most high God and he is a mighty rock. And in the same book in which I read that verse about the powers that war against us, you, you see this statement in Christ 27 times. And it's such a blessing to go through it and just to highlight in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Are you in Christ? If so, he's the foundation of your life. Psalm 62 was written not in a time of victory like Psalm 18 was. Psalm 62, we're going to go to it if, um, if you would. Psalm 62 was written at a real low point in David's life. He'd been betrayed by his own son, Absalom who had turned people against him. He was actually a broken man at this point. And even Ahithophel, who was his closest advisor, someone he had worshipped with, eaten with, maybe even considered Ahithophel to be like his rock. You know, have you ever thought that about people? Like, that person is like a rock to me. Ahithophel had deserted him and abandoned him. And he couldn't have seen it coming. He was broken, absolutely broken. And this was the context in which he wrote Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Written at such a low point in David's life. Absolutely broken. And here's what he says. He says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. Truly, he's my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people, at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Truly, truly, truly. Well, actually, in the King James Version, truly isn't in it. It's only. Truly, 
only. My soul finds rest in God alone, or only God. So with this disparity, I thought I better look up and say, well, what's the right way of it? And actually, they're both right. Um, it's, it's kind of, this word is an affirmation. It really is true. He really is a rock, without a doubt. But it also is restrictive, so it actually means only, he's the only rock. Truly, my soul finds rest only in God. Truly, he alone is my rock and my salvation. This was written when David actually was an old man. He was an older man. He'd lived, he'd seen a lot of life. <laughs> um, he'd had a lot of pain. He'd gone through a lot of stuff. And he was able at this point to say, it really is true. He really is a rock. Without a doubt, he alone is a rock. And I just thought of two examples of this. You know, I, um, I suppose for years I've been practicing the presence of God, trying to bring myself into an awareness of God and used to do it in work. Um, you know, working as a dentist, I'd be getting quite stressed at times and I'd be thinking, God, you're here, you're here. And just bringing myself into an awareness of God. Brother Andrew has a, a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And so all of us can practice the presence of God in our daily lives. And, and I suppose for years I've been doing that and trying to practice that. And then whenever I was in labor with Samuel, and I know I've shared this with a lot of you before. When I was in labor with Samuel, I remember driving along the car and I remember thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm scared. Lord, I'm scared. And in the car, really clearly, not out loud, but just in my spirit, I heard three words, I am here. Truly, he was there. And then on into um, that experience of Samuel coming into the world. We can look back at it now and laugh because David says that was when you had your epiphany because under the influence of nitrous oxide, I began to say, the Lord's here. No. And David was like, shh. And I was like, no, he's really here. He's really here. The Lord's here. And David was trying to keep me quiet, but it was so, so powerful. Like truly he was there and it was real to me then. And he revealed himself to me in such a powerful, powerful way. And a few weeks ago, um, a, a friend, a friend of ours, um, her daughter passed away, and I was I went over to see her and spend time with her. And whenever um, we were there, and someone else was there, we were chatting, and it was really lovely. And then. Whenever we were on our own, we got up and I was leaving and um, we were on our own and she kind of whispered to me. She said, it's really true. <laughs> he really is really with me. He's been so good. He's been with me in a really special way. Now her heart was broken. She was going through grief, the worst experience of her life, losing the person that was closest to her in the world. But she looked at me and she meant it. She said, you know, Truly he is, he's here, he's helped me, he's been with me, he's, he's amazing. 
And not in these words, but what she was saying was, truly he is a rock. Truly he is a rock. Truly he is the only rock. You see, there are false rocks. (laughs) And so, you know, Daniel was preaching a few weeks ago about our foundation being on the rock and building your life on the rock, Christ Jesus. And so there are false rocks. And it can be really subtle. And I suppose I kind of was started to think about this when I was in India. Because in India, education is everything. It can become like the pinnacle. It can become a false rock where if only I just could get an education and find my way out of poverty, um, that, w- that, is, that would be a rock. So it can be very, very subtle and it can be good things that appear as these false rocks. So I I guess it's just for us to search our hearts and find out what has has captivated me, what has my heart, what am I leaning on? Um, Because truly he is the only rock. Any other rocks will let us down. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. I love this part of the psalm. Pour out your heart to him. What does it look like to pour out your heart to God? It can look like any. It can look like different things to different people. It can look like that, you know, but it's real. There's something about something being poured out. It's not being, um, there's no holding back. You, you know, you spill it out. Just give it all to him. He can take it. You know, look through the Psalms. It's raw and it's real and it's agonizing at times. It's lament, but it's, it's, it's real. It's a pouring out and you can do it in journals. Often I will, I will write my, my pouring out is often in journal form or it can be going for a walk and just talking to God and pouring out your heart to him. But it could be that that is a massive, massive part of David's being able to keep going. He poured out his heart to God. That was part of his way of being. And I feel like some of us, some of you have prayed, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to be closer to you. And you might have found yourself feeling like David, overwhelmed, (laughs) your heart broken, maybe feeling betrayed, lied about, Whatever it is, and God is a rock for you. God is a rock for you. He wants to show you his character in a way that you can only get through experience, not through reading about God, through walking with him through the pain. That place is hard. That place is really hard. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. In Psalm 61, it says, From the ends of the earth I call to you, when my heart is overwhelmed or when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Love that. When your heart is overwhelmed, I bet you there's several hearts in this room that are overwhelmed. I know there's days whenever 
I have thought, I can't come to church. My heart's too overwhelmed. My heart's too faint. When my heart is overwhelmed, what we need is that rock. And we need to be able to lead each other to that rock that is higher than, than, than us, higher than our circumstances. And that's what we can do for each other. We can lead each other to that rock as well. We need the sort of friends who will gently lead us to the rock, point us to Jesus. And need to even have a think, what are the things that lead me to that rock? What are the things that, that hinder me going to that rock? And let's be that community for each other. I love what Pete Gregg says in his book, How to Pray. Brilliant book on prayer. Absolutely love it. Page 14 of his book, How to Pray. This is a guy that sort of is behind the 24-7 prayer movement. He says, after decades of night and day prayer, I've come to believe that 99% of prayer is just showing up, making the effort to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present to us. So don't complicate it. Show up. Pour out your heart to him. Holy Spirit, lead us to the rock that is higher than I. He's closer than you think. Maybe we've lost our focus. We've forgotten that he's there. Lost our way. Just go back again. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And can we do this for each other? I was thinking just as I'm coming to a a close here. What does this mean for us as a church? Because we are going to have hearts coming in here that are overwhelmed. And we need to be able to lead them to that rock that is higher than we are. And so I believe that we have a part to play in that, that we we need to be able to handle hearts that are overwhelmed and provide a place of safety and to know that truly he is the only rock and the implications for us as a church can we lead people to the rock can we point them to that rock the mighty rock where they can pour out their hearts and we got to model that ourselves first and be people of that lifestyle. And we've, um, we've got to notice each other as well. Um, you know, there was a week, there's many weeks where I come and my heart is overwhelmed, many, many weeks. But I was really touched one week because... Um, I was here and I felt my heart was hurting and I was really overwhelmed. And um, I got a message from someone. Actually, this has happened twice lately. I got a message from someone and someone also said something to me on a Thursday night. Um, you know, I noticed, I noticed that you were hurting. I noticed that something was up with you. Are you okay? I'm here for you. And it just meant so much. And I just thought, you know, isn't that beautiful if we could just be that, be those people for each other, if we could point each other gently to the rock and if we can be rocks for each other, safe places for each other. Um, so, but that means that we've got to notice each other. 
So we've got to be there for each other, be interested in each other. So there's an intentionality with it. It doesn't just happen. And it's almost, it's sacrificial as well. You know, when you begin to notice each other, to look out for each other, and even just to pray for each other. See who God puts on your heart this week and pray for that person, Lord. Lead them to the rock. What can I do to encourage that person to get closer to the rock that is Christ Jesus? So just as we finish, I'm just going to pray for us and ask Aaron to come and just pray, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, that you will lead us to the rock that's higher than I, Lord, as individuals and as a church, Lord. Lead us to that rock. You have been a rock to us, Lord, as a church. And as individuals, you have been a rock to us, Lord. Lord, week after week, month after month, year after year, you have been faithful, Lord. You've been so, so good, Lord. And we need you, Lord. We need our mighty rock, Lord. I just pray for each one today, Lord. Pray for those whose hearts are overwhelmed, Lord. Lord, that you will lead them to that rock by your spirit, Lord, even in worship now, Lord. That you will lead them to that rock that is higher, Lord. Higher than us, higher than our circumstances, Lord. And in that place, Lord, that you will bring healing, Lord. That you will bring strength and comfort, Lord. Lord, help us to live lives that show that you are a rock lord just thank you for who you are lord thank you for your character for your strength lord for the fact that you're unchanging lord lord that you're a safe place for us god to hide ourselves inside thank you for what it means to be in christ lord to build our lives upon the rock lord just pray you'll keep speaking to us, Lord. Keep ministering to us, Lord. Help us to minister to each other, Lord. Help us, Lord, to bless each other, Lord. To notice each other, Lord. And I pray that in the weeks ahead, Lord, that we'll be God noticers, Lord, and each other noticers, Lord. Praise you, God. Just thank you, Lord.